Uh, welcome to the History Book. Um, I am Rob. I'm joined with uh, my boys, Nick and Tim, uh, all of BTH, uh, former SB, uh, former SB Nation TST guys who were rudely kicked out of the out of the, the nest, and now we're flying on our own. And we thought we'd bring you a little podcast uh, that takes a little different slant. Um, you know, I think you can find several Rams podcasts out there that talk uh, like stats and numbers and get in. And deep and, and game analysis, whatever. But we want to, we want to, you know, we're fans for a reason because we love this team and we all have, we all have shared memories and we all remember things that we've gone through. And uh, I think, I think this, this little, little, uh, I don't know, jaunt through, through the memories, uh, well, it should be fun for all of us. And I think we're open to suggestions when you guys listen to this down the road. But uh, Nick and Nick and Tim, uh, let's let's uh, let's start with you guys and. Uh, Tim, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your Rams, like your Rams uh, history synopsis, like a little quick thumbnail of where you where you are and how you become uh, a fan of this awesome team. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually a fan from St. Louis, and I'm back in St. Louis right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've been a fan since the late '90s. Of course, you know, back then it's like after the Rams won the Super Bowl, everyone's calling themselves like true hardcore Rams fans. So like, uh, I think it was in like fourth or fifth grade at that time. So when I joined the fandom in those late nineties, I'm like, this is my team forever. You know, we're going to kick everyone's ass. This is going to be the best dynasty in the world. And then 2000 happened. And, uh, you know, 20 years later, uh, it's been a, it's been a fever dream of a fandom. I mean, it's it, mostly horrible. It, you know, it was like a fever with diarrhea, but then there were some moments where, <laughs> The diarrhea stopped and you wiped and it wasn't just blood down there. So you had moments uh, of Imodium AD. You, you oh man. It. it was like that moments where like, all right, I've stopped sweating. I can sit back up on the toilet and just like get up like a normal human man instead of just like putting my face near my ankles. But uh, so anyway, after that weird uh, intro, uh, yeah, I'm a Rams fan and still even though the team was ripped from my city uh, horrendously. Um, I am pathetic in that way. And, yeah, now I'm here talking about, uh, talking about the Rams. All right, sounds good. Uh, Nick, how about you? How uh, did you become a Rams fan? And I, I know the story myself, but I think, uh, I think it will resonate with a lot of people, especially uh, our Angelinos who um, will probably experiencing the same thing. For sure. So I'm I'm probably different. Rob Rob was from LA and, and Tim's from St. Louis. So they obviously they obviously had a fandom from from just being local to the team. Um, I'm a fan from afar and have been. Uh, originated from Montana. Um, my dad grew up a Rams fan. Um, you know, through the '70s, early '80s, uh, when my dad was in high school. Um, Jack Youngblood was his favorite player. Um, met his best friend because in, in middle school, they, they had Rams pencils and they were like, Hey, you got a Rams pencil. I got a Rams pencil. We're best friends. So, uh, when I was born, I was, I was born into it and didn't have a choice. Um, and you know what? Hindsight 35 years later, uh, I wouldn't trade any of the scars, tears, celebrations, none of that for, for anything. Um, so I actually, I live in Seattle now, I moved here in 2012. Um, it's been even more unique because the year I moved here, the Seahawks won Super Bowl, uh, having a division opponent in your backyard, um, going through that, and then kind of at the precipice of, of 
this team changing. Um, it had, you know, bits and pieces uh, being added to it that what would then be part of, uh, you know, the, the making and building block of a Super Bowl team. So um, I love it. I am fanatical about it. Win, lose, draw, the shitty years, good years. So, yeah, so my fandom started. There we go. Uh, and I, as Nick mentioned, I'm I'm born and raised uh, in Los Angeles. Um, however, I'm got out of college and moved up to Seattle in '91. So uh, you know, I'm a little older than our than my my two my two co-hosts. So I have a little more history with the Rams um, on the women, winning side. You know, through the late '70s, early '80s. Um, whereas my my guys here just had to deal with the you know late '90s and 2000s, and that's we all know the history there. So um, I, yeah, I moved here in '91. And then, uh, then my favorite team moved to St. Louis. And we all know the story there. Um, I was not happy with it. But it, as many Los Angeles Rams fans, like I know a ton of them, kissed the team off when that, when that happened. And I get it. I was already, I feel, I didn't feel the same way because I left them and I wasn't, it wasn't like I was, wasn't going to get my favorite, seat, my favorite team anymore. So I followed them through St. Louis and then they came back again. And the biggest you know, change for me is you know, my flight to go see the, my favorite team. It's easier for me to get from Seattle to L.A. than it was Seattle to St. Louis. Um, so, yeah, cheaper better, too. a lot yeah. cheaper a lot, and better flight options. Uh, so, right. it's, uh, yeah, I've been, been a fan of this team forever. I remember my first game. and We could talk about our memories and stuff. Uh, you know, my dad took me to a Monday Night Football game and at the Coliseum in 77. I was uh, all of nine years old, and I have like, sm- like small memories of it. But the biggest one that ever stuck with me was walking out of the tunnel in this huge stadium and then seeing those uniforms and the lights. It was, it, it just resonated with me. So it's been a fan my entire life. Uh, and, uh, you know, when there's a draw, they're my guys. Just like, just like everyone else. It's, it's just how it goes. Um, and so this mentions like some, some memories. That was like my, my first memory. Do you have, you guys have a, like a, a first real memory of what you, what made you become a Rams fan other than them being in your city or whatever and being born to, is there something like, just resonates with you. Yeah, this these are my guys. This is this is my team. Uh, shit. I don't think I. I don't think I have a. I'm, uh, I'm trying to think because like I remember the first few years of them being in St. Louis, but how, I, the how only old were you when they moved there in '95. In '95, um, I would have been four years old, mm. uh, four or five years old because so, I was born in '91. So do you remember the Super Bowl year? Was it? Yeah, because we had just. Uh, we had just moved from our first house and, you know, we, we had just moved in the second house and like, we had nothing set up. You know, it was like, it was either the day before um, or two days before where we had got all of our stuff in. So like when I watched the game, it was like the, the living room was not even set up. Like we sat on the floor cause there was six kids and then two parents. So uh, my parents like sat on the couch and then like kids sat on the ground. And I just remember my dad just being like yelling at the screen, just yelling tackle, tackle, you know, cause this is when the Titans were like having that second half surge. So I'm just like, uh, I'm just like, dear God, please just let them win. Please just let them win. I've, I've only known about this team for a few years, but I want this so bad. Uh, and then when they had the tackle on Mike Jones, like my dad was just like, holy shit. Like, you know, he was just like losing his mind because he was like that close to scoring. Sure. Uh, but the first like in game was like uh, that I could remember was when the Rams played the Packers. Uh, I think it was the division round in 2001. I think it was uh, where Brett Favre for or through like four interceptions. Four. Yeah. 
And like the first one I saw was Aeneas Williams just stepped in front of the route and ran like uh, 30 or 40 yards, like to the touchdown in the place. We're like in the very top section of the Edward Jones Dome. Like back in those days, that place, when it got loud, I mean, you could, you couldn't even hear yourself think. So like, Oh, and then they had like the smoke for whatever reason, all the domes in the early 2000s always had like smoke or fog going in there, even though I don't think anyone lit off any like pregame fireworks or whatever. But uh, yeah, that's probably my first memory. Uh, Nick, how about you? Do you have like a first like Rams memory? Like maybe a game you watched with your pops or something? Yeah, I, you know, I like I, I think being born in 86, like around like 94, 95 was I, when I like started, or at least when I can recall remembering football. Um, I remember when we drafted Lawrence Phillips. Uh, Lawrence was incredible when he was in Nebraska. And it was like the baton from from Jerome to that. It was like, all right, here we're gonna have, we're we're gonna be solid here. Um, I I think that's like the first like vivid memory of just like just my fandom. But from a story perspective, <clears throat> in '98 I was in I've been what the sixth, seventh grade, seventh grade. I remember talking junk to my social studies teacher because he was a Niners fan. And I told him, I was like, the Rams are going to win a Super Bowl. The Rams are going to win a Super Bowl. And then all of a sudden, the next year, they're in the Super Bowl. And then in my middle school in a small town in Montana, you had the same, same social studies teacher, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So I had the same teacher my, my age, going into my eighth grade year. And I remember it. I was like, hey, remember when I told you the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl? He's like, yeah, how did you call that? I was like, I, was like, ah, I, think, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl every year. <laughs> but I, I think that, like, that was probably, like, when I got into football uh, in, in a big way. Um, and then, the, I mean, that ride was incredible. Um, and then everything after that, like, I, I haven't missed a game. Yeah, so I, I feel bad for you guys because, uh, you know, you experienced the Super Bowl pretty early in your fandom, right? You know, 9, 10, 11, yeah. 12 teenage years. And you're like, I'm just – and then, you know, they 2000 a little bit of a, a disappointment, but 2001 they go back to the Super Bowl. And even though, you know, the Patriots cheated and stole that from us uh, – we all had the like feeling this was a dynasty, but you guys, it's almost like fool's gold. Hey, this is gonna be this is how it is, and you know these things last forever. Yeah. As a longtime Rams fan, you know, living through the '80s uh, and having to deal with the 49er just disaster of, of them getting every great player, even though um, you know, it was it was like the NFL was was the 49ers farm team. Any good player came up on the contract, they grabbed them, and they just it was brutal, and so. Uh, much like you guys, I was, well, I would have been about 12 years old or so when they played the Steelers in, the, in their first Super Bowl season. Uh, very competitive in the first half. And then, you know, they, you know, John, St uh, Lin, uh, Lin Swan gets hurt and John Stallworth just kills them. And uh, we ended up losing that thing. But um, so I, I got that in those formative years. And then going through the 80s, you know, them being decent, going to playoffs every year, many championship games, Bears, 49ers, but always finding a way to just kick it, just boot it. Uh, and then we went through the 90s. I lived through the 90s, uh, you know, going from 89 championship game, and they were they and the Bengals were the losingest team through the 90s, and that includes that 99 season. Uh, you know, I was – I felt like at that point that 10-year that buffer was, was just setting me up for this last 18-year run that we just had because – uh, they just they just never can find a way to get it done, and so that '99 season for me, um, people always ask me who my favorite player is, and you know I I grew up as a huge Shaq Leader fan, 
as I played offensive line in, in high, high school. I love Jack Slater, but it's, it's got to be Kurt because he, I went through 10 years of darkness and the guy comes out of nowhere to, to lead my team. And yeah, Trent Green probably could have done the same thing, but we'll never know because Kurt did it. And so, uh, you know, a lot of fans don't like Kurt because of his ties uh, with Arizona. And there's a whole story we can go down that road at some point with that. But I love Kurt. I love that whole team. Um, I will always put those, those guys are kings in my eyes because they gave me my greatest sports memory. I love all sports, but there's nothing will ever top that ninth season for me. And so, um, yeah, there's lots of, lots of great memories there. But that 99 season, just after going through that, that doldrum was, was terrible. So I, I almost feel like that, that run for me, it's probably pretty close to what maybe you guys saw in 2018 after we, you know, that was because you went through that huge stretch. Yeah. After that, we got to the Super Bowl and that Nick was with you when we, when we they won the championship game. So I'm, I'm pretty sure we all feel the same. Mine for the, was 99. And even if they didn't win, just to kind of get that monkey up, that losing monkey up the back to have that moment. Um, to, uh, well, I'll come back to you, Nick, and then Tim, I'll get your thoughts on it. Do, uh, am, I, am I right with that on that, that even though we didn't win – the show that you know that getting that monkey up the back after going through that huge you know stretch of losing that that 2018 yes and no help you there i i i, I think it maybe it, it, yes and no i only because i like to be honest with you like i like i'm a laker fan so i'm spoiled there i'm a Braves fan like I, they've been good they've only won one one world series since i've been born and i'm a tiger woods fan so i've seen a shit ton of winning there but the sport that I care about the most and that I'm most invested in, I, like, I, as great as it was for them to go to the Super Bowl, I, like, I, I cannot I, wait until I can appreciate what that feeling is like as an adult. Because, like, I reflect back sure. when I was in eighth grade. Like, I remember my dad let me have a beer. I smoked a cigar with him and my uncle. In eighth grade? Like, this is the greatest shit. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from Montana, guys. It's Montana. Just, Come on. We do. Yeah, I did not realize that that was a Montana culture thing. (laughs) Letting your eighth grader have a beer and a cigar. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Super Bowl, bro. All all bets are off. But to be honest with you, I I got a good night forehead kiss and sent off to bed. (laughs) (laughs) As great as it was going to that game or going to Super Bowl, like it's 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 even more heart-wrenching like i i don't know like i i don't know if it sucked worse being terrible from for seven years or or losing that game like to be honest with you and partially because like if they would have won it it would have been validating on how they got there um i felt like they earned it anyways but yeah i mean i i can see where where your point is of, of you know they were bad and then 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 they got to go to the show but yeah, I'm still was, nothing will be like that day when when I'm a grown ass man and get to celebrate that. I mean, because you were there with me when we when we won the NFC Championship game. I mean, like that, I, bro. I, those are feelings that like the only thing that I can equate to that is my daughter being born. And I, honestly, I they're weird, weird feelings that you didn't know you had in you. <laughs> I think uh, I think we should save that story, like that what we how we felt on the, the NFC Championship game, like a Saints a full stain show because you and I and, and Tevin, former yep. GST, uh, had like a, a, a you know, tripod of man hug going on, jumping up and down, losing our nut in your, <laughs> in, in your living room with, with like the wives looking at us like, yeah. Tim, uh, how about you? What, right. did, what, uh, had that, that 2018 Super Bowl run, did it, did it cure some of the, the losing or maybe was it just, you know, Sean McVay's first year and, and just completely flipping the script? Was there a, was there a time when, you know, you felt like, okay, I got over the hump of that just brutal stretch of most, most of your life. 
It's probably the year before when we won the ninth game. We had that night. Actually, it was the week before that when they had the eighth win. I was like, I cannot freak, you know, because we don't suck anymore. They've been terrible forever. Every, like back when they were in St. Louis, I, I'm not even, back then, I was certainly not a podcast guy. And I certainly was not a sports radio talk show guy either but every training camp i would listen to demarco far talk to everybody at you know they're on 101 and they would talk to how everyone is so good this year like you know the pipeline stuff it's like everyone is in the best shape of their life we're the king of kings you know scott linehan is a genius he's gonna take us to the promised land of course he took us nowhere but uh 2017 (laughs) when they got that eighth win i was like i cannot freaking believe it's happened because there have been years before that where we get to six or seven and we're just like on the brink of like on the edge of our seats thinking okay we're almost there here we go and then they butt fumbled the season and then it's just like son of a bitch now we have to wait an entire year we have to go through the process hear about how everyone isn't fat anymore and uh you know let's just try and get eight wins and then they finally get it in 2017 and they get to nine wins and then 10, and then we're going to the playoffs. If they went to the Super Bowl that year and lost, like had the same result, I would be, I don't know, I'd be on cloud nine. It'd be like, this is the most unexpected and amazing thing that's happened to the Rams franchise since 99. Like, there's no way you could top this other than winning. Mm. But then in 2018, because the team was so good and they, like, they bet it all, they mortgaged the future, and it was like it was a risky bet. I'm still kind of glad they made it because, I mean, they made the freaking Super Bowl. But at the same time, it's like, all right, they they got punched in the mouth and were reminded of what the NFL – like what it takes to win because the Patriots did what the Patriots do and they just completely wiped away their defense and started over in like that short amount of time and just caught the Rams off guard. So it was, it was super disappointing because I was in Oklahoma City that night and I had to drive back uh, to my place that night and I'm just thinking oh crap like we were right there and then as soon as we go into like March and April we're looking at the bill of what 2018 was and we're like shit you know nine and seven I thought was amazing this past year because okay you know it was like doom and gloom going into the season like how 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 are we gonna win games and you know so I think uh I think at 2018 was disappointing for sure but you know it's a sign that now we know where, what the expectations are. The expectations are a lot higher, even with all the problems. Even, you know, I have no idea what Jared Goff is going to be like. I have no idea what that growth is going to be like, especially in a pandemic year. But I think things are going to be okay, especially because we have a head coach. And at the very least, you know, I know Les Snead has done some weird-ass stuff, but we have a head coach in place who knows what he's doing. He's a smart dude. I think things will. I think things will be okay. At the very least, they'll be okay. That's that's a that's a great point. That we should we could probably bring up because we're talking Rams history book here, and we're you know little introductions about ourselves and how we became Ram fan and what some of the the big recent wins and things meant to us. But I'm not sure. And I, this you need to get some LA people. I mean, we'll start maybe maybe find someone every once in a while, bring someone on, and just get the perspective. But. Uh, you know, we all lived through the St. Louis years, right? So we have at least 20 years of Rams history behind us with a lot of losing, and we have a lot of bad coaches. You know, you mentioned Scott Linehan. God. We've had the Jim Hazlitts. We had we had Spags. Uh, we Jeff Fisher. How does it feel to actually have a guy that you actually believe in now, right? You mentioned Demarco Farr going to training camp, and, and Joe or Joe McAtee, uh likes to. You know, he gets on Twitter with our BTH handle. Um, he likes to spend it as a cycle. 
you might have seen it all. It's like, hey, the cycle started again. The cycle. Oh yeah, that's everyone. Yeah, cycle. Everyone, everyone, and 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 uh, in the summer loves everyone because you know they haven't sucked yet. Uh, Mitch Trubisky has turned the corner. And everyone's t- everyone's spending it right now. And you mentioned the Rams used to do it every year, and, and they fell in their ass. Um, but nothing. Nothing's bigger in pro sports than a good coach. I mean, look what Phil Jackson did. The guys who can coach, they can coach. Look at what Belichick does. You know, he, he had Brady, and then he didn't care about anyone else. Everyone else is expendable. He just wins. We went through such a, such a litany of terrible head coaches. General managers tied with them, whatever. But uh, we, we all thought Jeff Fisher was the answer. You know, when he was with the Titans, you know, he had some success. And he, he loves to remind us, he, he, you know, he lost the Super Bowl. That's his claim to fame is he lost the Super Bowl. You know, he, he won with Kerry Collins one year. And then other than that, he was Jeff Fisher. And so, yeah, he's, he was the, one of the most winning coaches in the league because he had more shots at it. He's also the losingest coach in the league. So we've, we've seen what leadership can do. And Fisher was – I'll give him credit for one thing. In my eyes, he – he flipped the script from one and two lost team, uh, win teams to mediocre. So we went from yeah. god awful to middle of the road. He just couldn't get it over. Some of the stuff was not at his control. Sammy breaking his knee twice. Uh, some of those things. I mean, you're going to the end of a season with Sean Hill as your starter. You know, bad things are going to happen. But Sean McVay just switched it up on everyone. And uh, yeah, you know, he had a little bit of struggle last year. You know, again, injuries play a factor too. But even his worst season is better than what Jeff Fisher's best season was with us, right? So the bar is raised, as you mentioned. Um, how how do you feel about having a guy like McVay who just I'm watching my hard right now and and just the McVay thing? How does how do you feel after living through all those bad coaches and and thoughts on what you think LA fans are thinking? Because I'm not sure they 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 got one season of Jeff Fisher and he was out. They didn't have to put up with all the garbage we did. If if they were new fans back to the team, if they followed in St. Louis, they obviously did. But thoughts on like, the Rams' coaching situation? Uh, Sean McVay, you know, his, his, he's not even mentioned as a young coach anymore, right? He's just Sean McVay. So we got over mm-hmm. that. Thoughts on you guys on on, on like the coaching situation, what we went to, and what we've got now, and, and how you feel about how it, how it feels to have a guy that you I think you you both believe in. Uh, to me, like <clears throat> you know, it's it's funny. Like, I think a lot of the the slight digs on Sean are are some of the things that I actually really truly appreciate about him because it's what good coaches do. They don't overspeak. They don't give out too much. They keep everything in house. I think that one of the like, we have the, the luxury of hindsight with Jeff right now is that when all of us were on Twitter saying you know while waiting for Jeff that was or whatever whatever the the spin was before it yeah because he was they were so bad he was gonna go, it was between the Rams and the Dolphins and we all right wanted him Jake. right yep. yeah. we all wanted him totally and it was it was the thought of winning six games or seven games or eight games fuck that's the equivalent of winning the Super Bowl in the Rams eyes after that ten year stretch like I I would have taken it gladly. I mean, I'm, when we were seven, eight, and one in Seattle, like I wouldn't have cared about having a losing record and going into the playoffs, like at all, because it's something that would have just been completely different than what the norm is. But looking at Sean and his approach to the game, how he interacts, like, and that's the cool thing. I think social media has probably like let us in uh, inside the house a little bit of saying how he he actually coaches, like. He's not just a, a 35-year-old guy who has the role of a head coach. He is teaching fundamentals of the game, intricacies into his, his approach to the game. And I think now, this, this year is going to be interesting, right? Like, 
pandemic pandemic is going to to separate in my eyes at least new coaching staffs and coaching staffs that have had some continuity because if you've got i mean like look at carolina if you're matt rule you have a new quarterback like the only thing there that that is like the foundation and luke keekley's gone is christian but for the rams the rams offense is still the same it's going to have you know o'connell's twist with inside of it and whatnot but to me, the offense is not going to be changed. I have such a comfort level in that Sean is going to to keep us on the correct path. Like, if you told me that, like, hey, the Rams are going to win four games this year, I'd call bullshit because I, I don't think Sean allows that to happen. So personnel be damned, cap position be damned. Like, I, I think Sean can maximize everything he possibly can out of the uh, Austin Corbett's of the world and the Van Jeffersons. Like, I, I'm giddy, man. Excited about what, what Sean brings for this team, not just for 2020, but hopefully through 2030. Like uh, with Sean McVay at the helm, it, first of all, it's not even – I was going to say it's not even the same Rams team, but I would even say it's not even it's not even the Rams. Like this feels like a completely new franchise aside from the god-awful uniforms that they have now. But like <laughs> the fact that the franchise is is being run by someone who's competent and it's – consistent like this is three years in a row that the Rams have had winning seasons and I as we were talking I brought up the coach list uh for the Rams uh first of all who wants to take a guess at who had the worst point differential in let's say going back to 2000 what head coach do you think had the worst point differential for a season Joe Vitt can can we bring in I was just gonna say Joe Vitt. I was gonna say, can, can you? Is it full season or is it interim? Because Joe Vitt. I got you. Uh, I was. I would say just because uh, they only have PD and like one whole season. I would just say. I would just say for a full season. I, I don't know about interim, just because they don't have it that's separate. Yeah, the Joe Vitt. I would say they have Joe Vitt down in the 2005 March year. I would. I would venture to guess the minus 66 that they have for that year. Uh, 63 of that is because of Joe Vitt. Uh, but no, it is actually – Point – it's it's Fisher? No, it is not Jeff Fisher. Spags. Really? It, yeah, it is Steve Spagnuolo. A defensive I, coach, yeah. For a second, I thought it was going to be uh, Hazlitt and Linehan in the 2008 year. But Spags – oh, my God. I think Spags beat him out the very next year. Hazlitt and Linehan had negative 233. Spagnuolo had minus – 261 in that oh. god-awful 2009 season. Then he had minus 39. Got better, 2010. I remember that year being like, God, I've been, I've been played so many freaking times. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm just walking around the house with a carved-out watermelon like, you idiots are going to eat your words. Come, you know, come in uh, January when we're going to be in the playoffs. You know, like most of my Rams dreams, that watermelon rotted out. Spagnuolo then rebounded to minus 214. So, you know, it's like our entire history is filled with just negative point differential going all the way back to 1990. But with McVay, it's like three. You put put that in a context, 240-point point differential. That is getting your ass whooped by over a touchdown and a half a week. A week. That's that's being generous. Yeah. Right, but I mean, like, and then and then you think of the like, like even future teams, like they have like six games a year where they lose by like three points or less. So like you you now have ten ten games where you get bumped by twenty points. Oh, 
Brutal. In 2009, the closest game they had outside of the win was week two against Washington when they lost seven or yeah, seven, nine. After that, everyone just whooped on them. How the hell they scored a touchdown or more? How, how, I, honestly, how, I have no, that's another thing too. It's like the Rams were a team that you couldn't even count on them to score touchdowns consistently every week. It would be more often than not, if they had 23 points, I would have – if you said, hey, the Rams scored 23 points this week, I would say, holy crap, they had that many field goals. Right. It's like that's the only consistent part about the Rams was their special teams. Like even before Johnny Hecker, it was – it was uh, wasn't it Donnie Jones? Oh, yeah. Like that weird skinny face. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. Donnie Jones. Then before Zerline and all them, it was Jeff Wilkins. And like it was a time where like – it was just a horrible time where no offense existed. When we got to the red zone, you may as well just Trevor Bauer the football and just toss it in the, into the stands because you'd have a greater chance of scoring something than you would putting it into the incompetent hands of whatever offensive coordinator we had that season. The fact that – Laurent our, Robinson. Oh, that's no. That's who got that touchdown. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, another another guy Robinson, who, yeah. yeah. He, you're like, oh, he's gonna be the guy. He's gonna be the man. So to to have you know, going back to what Nick was saying, it's like th- there's there's an adult in the room. He knows what's going on. It's not like he's hiring his buddies and just you know we're all we're all, it's like it goes beyond the classic coach speak. Like I I forget what it was. I think I was going through the Cleveland Browns uh, YouTube page. And they had all these old videos of Greg Williams talking. And yeah, I'm not an I'm not an NFL coach. I've never coached a football team. Greg Williams has an absurd amount of knowledge on me and every other fan that talks poorly about him. However, he has that syndrome where you just it, it's like everything you say has to be a cliche coach speak. It, instead of giving your guys actual advice in the huddle going out, hey, we need to execute on A, B, and C during this one play. You have to watch out for this or that. It's like he's given a speech that you would hear in the movie like 300, like we're going to dine in <laughs> hell tonight. It's the two-minute drill in Cleveland, Ohio. Would you take a chill pill for a second? Would you focus on the fact that your defense sucks instead of trying to get these weird like movie quote type of pump-ups? Sean McVay has none of that, and he just speaks – like a regular person. He gives it to you straight. He lets you know what you're doing right and wrong. And whenever he talks, I've never, ever rolled my eyes once. Outside of the knee stuff, any, you know, any knee troubles with Todd Gurley or anybody, outside of that, I have never rolled my eyes at Sean McVay or thought, man, this guy is a little dense in the skull. So it's, <laughs> I'll say uh, this about Sean and his ability to speak. Uh, yeah. He's – as the youngest coach in NFL history, he was given a crash course on how to talk to the media by a Rams PR staff and artist Twelman. Right? He answers he answers it as generically as possible. He gives you nothing, and he's he's trained that way. Which, if you're watching Hard Knocks right now, you're getting a little more unscripted, Sean. You see him cutting up, or whatever. But when he's in front of a mic, he's usually buttoned up. He doesn't give you anything. He gives you just stock answers. You know what? He's day to day. You got a little knee bruise, whatever. He doesn't give you any any juicy tidbits where you're like, oh, wow, let's run with this. He just mm-hmm. does it. He's, he's an astute student of how to talk to the media, which is why I'm appreciating this run of the hard knocks a little bit more because you're getting to see him cut up with his guys and cut up with his coaches. He talks about like the face shield and you know, do I look 
I should have a torch on my back, like, like, like a tool with my shirt off in the pool. And he's joking with his guys. And he's still very serious and he's genuine and he's authentic with his players, which is what I appreciate the most about him. I think you heard it when he first was introduced. He's like, you know what? We're going to be teachers. Here we're going to teach people. We're going to, we're going to yeah. share our knowledge. Uh, we're, I'm in, I want them to know that I'm invested in them and their careers, even if it's not with us down the road. I want them to be the best players compared to the Fisher stuff or like the Greg Williams you mentioned, where it's all cliches and just, you know, spinning stories about, uh, hey, LaMarcus, sit down. I know you want to quit. Let me tell you about, let me tell you, a, let me tell you a little Rams history book story, Titans version of, of some guy named um, McNair. Sorry, I'm doing a blank. Oh, yeah. I was thinking Big John, but no, it's, it was Big Nair. <laughs> yeah, just authentic. And it's, it's, you know, we all are human. And we know when someone's feeding us a line of crap. You, you can sense a bullshit artist a mile away. Players aren't any different. They know when someone's just just pulling their chain and, and just talking to their ass. And I think he won over the locker room early, which is his biggest strength. It's his ability to – and his age was often thought, you know, a big deal. I think it's – a huge bonus to him because he's relatable to young players. He's he knows who who all their favorite artists are, right? He he can he can relate to all this stuff, and um, that's that's my favorite thing about him is he's authentic. His players bought into it uh, because they connect with him. It's not like you know father figure or grandfather sitting there. Uh, Bruce Arians kind of gets some of that, but he comes from a different you know different side of it. But I think he's authentic with his players as well. He. He, uh, he seems to be able to relate with, relate with his guys. Um, Sean, Sean has that as well, and which is why he's going to be successful for as long as yet he wants to be. When that football came calling, they tried to call him away this year. People like Sean. Yeah, he's a little quirky. You know, he, he, he does his coach speak, or you know, he, he respects and admires everyone. We respect and admire, respect and admire. He gives you nothing. He gives you no bulletin board material. He's just a pro. Uh, I love the guy. I, he's, he's, he's my new Kurt Warner, right? I talked about how Kurt's my favorite you know, player. Um, after going through the, that list of coaches you rattled off, he's uh, he's my he's my coach. I love him. I love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. As much as we all have a soft spot for Dick, Dickie Dickie B, right? It's it's got to be Sean. Yeah, another Dick Vermeil was another teacher. Didn't it's like die. yeah, the guy who could talk to players, and it's like you guys are learning from one another, and those guys are actually digesting the information that you're giving them. Rather than just saying, "Hey, you just gotta, you know, you just gotta be tough and just knock your head around for sixty minutes or whatever baloney that you know you hear," whenever Greg Williams is mic'd up or you hear, and you know, when you're playing football in high school, it's like I could listen to Dick Vermeil and Sean McVay talk about football and uh, like Bruce Arians, and I'm and uh, you know, there's a. It seems like that's the trend now, where like it's not just young guys; it's young guys who are almost football nerds like guys who just know this stuff like they majored it in college and that they can talk about it and break it down in the simplest way for all the players and like yeah talent is one thing and we've certainly on the Rams they've certainly had some talented players like Chris Long was a super talented guy James Laurinaitis was a super talented guy even Bradford super talented guy but outside of that if you have guys coming in who don't really understand the NFL playbook and you're just yelling at him to read the playbook instead of just kind of walking them through like how you hear McVay talk to uh, his guy sometimes. It's, it, it makes the world – makes a world of difference, like seeing the play. And whenever stuff get, you know, goes wrong, it's like, okay, they're going to learn from this. They're going to come back, and they're going to be a little better. You know, 2019 was a rough, rough year. But if 9-7 and seven is a rough year, then good Lord, 
I can't right. wait to see what a, a okay year brings you. That's an okay year in the standards now. It's probably like 10 and 6 in a wild card spot. I, I think that that speaks to the complexities, though, of the NFL. Like you, you made mention that coaches now are younger and are, are football nerds. Like we're seeing this crossover between a sport that is derived off speed and power mixing with analytics and not just thinking of a play with inside of a single moment, but it's a play that I'm going to set up and put my back pocket and I'm going to pull it out seven weeks later and give someone a look and then bang, hit them on the backside from something else that off of what it looked like. The NFL has changed so much. And that to me is, is also the, one of the driving force of why you see, you know, look at the entire NFC West outside of Pete, like, they all fit that dynamic, right? Just young football nerds, and but they're very, very brilliant dudes. Let's let's kind of wrap up our our, our last thoughts here because so again, this is Rams History Book podcast. Uh, we're not going to get into a lot of X's or X's and O's and stat stuff. We might do a little bit of a bit, but we want to be relatable to you, fans, other fans who have this, you know, like similar experiences and thoughts. Uh, we'd love to you know, hit us on social media, um, just you know, with your thoughts and 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 things you, you would like us to talk about here about like a, a specific game i think as we get into the season and we have uh you know opponents coming up we were just talking before we start recording about you know, our, our favorite cowboy moments oddly enough they're all recent because there's a lot of bad cowboy moments there things like that we have some 49er stuff you know i'm sure we all love to hate the niners we all have some thoughts there so i think you know seahawks are all, all our rivals i think we'll, we'll we'll approach some of the stories we'll talk about our experiences when we've gone to games um, different stadiums we visited, things like that. If we have uh, certain, you know, moments that we, you know, we always treasure, just or lament things that uh, you know, I think we all we all have these things. We all talk about this stuff with our with our fellow friends and other rem- and other fans. Um, it's just a pod for, you know, discussing our team in context of history and thought and storytelling. And uh, so I, I think that's that's where we're going to go with this. Uh, you have any final thoughts, gents, before, uh, before we say goodbye for the week? Uh, I will just say this. Um, you cannot call yourself a Rams fan if you did not live through the Jimmy Hazlitt uh, takeover in 2000, what was that, 2008 or something. Uh, Jim Hazlitt was probably one of the more underrated, terrible coaches uh, for the Rams. He had one awesome game against, oddly enough, the Cowboys. They beat the crap out of him. And I thought, once again, that this man is going to take us to the promised land. And then a super old, but for some reason, uh, bleach blonde man just pulled the rug out from under me. So uh, if you don't know who Jimmy Hazlitt is and you're a Rams fan, jump on Google and just read up because that was that – was, <laughs> That was like, in terms of memory, that's like a kidney stone passing through your brain whenever I think about Jimmy Hazlitt. How about you, Nick? Any final thoughts on uh, your first Rams history book pod? Yeah, I'll say this. I just saw a picture of Terrell Lewis. Someone posted on Twitter. That dude looks the part. He is a scary-looking dude. Holy cow. Did you see the, did you see the quote? Uh, you know, Goff uh, said you know, that he looks like a guy who played in the SEC yeah, earlier in the week. Uh, yeah, he does. I, like, he looks like T-Sizzle. Yeah. Without the badass face mask. No, nonetheless, uh, I, I'm looking forward to this. You know, uh, it's going to be be fun to 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 recall the Rolodex of of memories of I'm sitting po- dealing poker at a at a game that I owned in in Montana and watching Mark Boulder getting shell shocked on Monday Night Football against the oh, uh, against the Colts. 
that that game. Oh God, that see this is this is PTSD. This is we just renamed this show to that. I thought his PTSD. legs broke when he got sacked. I love it. No, we we might have to have a Appreciate we might have to have a beverage as uh, as we we talk about uh, some other history down the road. As, as we're going, we might have to raise a glass yeah. every time about we we want to shed a tear. Uh, so yeah, reach out to us on social. You got uh, Mr. Tim Godfrey uh, at Mr. Tim Godfrey on on Twitter, and then also at nmartin55, uh, myself at solrams underscore NFL. Uh, again, underscore under NFL underscore NFL is because uh, someone tattled on me years ago and put me on Twitter jail, and Twitter made me change it from Matt Solrams to to something else, and so that's why it's got that quirky underscore. That's a story in itself. That that whole Twitter jail thing. But uh, yeah, we anyways. gotta talk about that next episode. Oh yeah, I don't think I heard that one. Oh Jesus, that was fun time. That was a fun time. Uh, but we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Please uh, rate, admire, reach out to us with thoughts. Uh, we, you know, we'll we'll get some of you guys on with us down the road. We'll have some fans. This is definitely a fan-driven pod. Again, storytelling. We're not the only people who have good stories to tell and memories. Um, it's 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 for it's for you. It's for us. It's for everyone. All anyone who who considers Rams their team, this this is for you. If you want X's and O's and you want breakdowns and stats, there's plenty of pods out there, including our Los Angeles Rams podcast on BKH. So thanks for tuning in. We will uh, get with you guys uh, down the road and uh, we will talk soon. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>